Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Melissa Sorber and I'm Director of the Alliance to End Slavery and Trafficking. We are a U.S.-based coalition that advocates for solutions to prevent and end all forms of human trafficking and modern slavery around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today for our first national webinar to talk about funding the fight to end modern slavery and human trafficking. A few housekeeping items before we jump into things. You are hopefully seeing slides in the viewer window before you. This can be resized by clicking and dragging the lower right corner. The control panel shown on this slide is where you can interact with the organizers. You have two ways to listen to the webinar today. So if your sound quality is not as good as you'd like, you may want to try switching to a telephone or listening via your computer speakers by clicking the appropriate button on the audio pane. If you want to submit questions, please type them into the questions pane and hit send. We will try to get to all questions, and if we don't answer yours on this webinar, we will try to follow up with you directly afterwards. The webinar will be recorded and posted on the website within two days, and we encourage you to share it widely with those who may be interested. I am very honored to be here today with colleagues representing several of ATAS 11 members. First, we have Jesse Eve, Senior Policy Advisor for Child Protection at World Vision, Faiza Matha Matthew, Director of Public Policy and Government Relations at ECPAT USA, Brittany Vanderhoof, Policy Associate at the Polaris Project, Jess Leslie, Human Rights Program Manager at Vital Voices Global Partnership, and Stephanie Richard out on the West Coast, the Policy and Legal Services Director at the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. On our webinar today, we will cover three things. First, we'll set the stage for today's discussion. I will give a brief history of anti-trafficking appropriations. Second, our, our presenters will talk about specific funding requests and what they mean in real terms for trafficking survivors and for stepping up the fight to stop modern slavery. Finally, I'll come back and talk about the role you and your organizations can play to help secure more dollars to fight human trafficking. The appropriations process determines program-by-program program funding levels for all legislation that Congress has authorized. There are 12 separate appropriations bills, each developed by a separate sub subcommittee that covers either individual or groupings of federal agencies. Today, we'll talk about the six subcommittees that determine funding for programs set out in the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. You can see these subcommittees listed on the slide, and we'll refer to them throughout the webinar. I'm extremely excited to start off uh, with some good news. Earlier this year, President Obama signed an omnibus budget that included several important gains that a test has been pursuing for over four years. First, funding for grants in the Department of Justice increased 6% over FY13, and funding for victim services in the Department of Health and Human Services rose 41%. This rise in funding for victim services at HHS comes after a decade plateau and in the midst of a very tight fiscal environment. 
This funding will provide services and support for all survivors of trafficking and is a key win that we should all be proud of. It's important to put this victory into perspective in two ways. Looking back, or beginning in FY 2010, a test broadened its outlook to federal appropriations and successfully advocated for a historic $12 million increase in federal anti-trafficking funds. We worked hard to ensure that the issue of human trafficking was visibly higher on the radar of appropriators. As one measure of success, in 2009, the terms human trafficking or trafficking in persons were mentioned fewer than 50 times in House and Senate Appropriations Committee reports. And yet by FY13, those, those terms were noted 137 times. We all know that even with this progress, Progress. the United States spends way too little to combat modern slavery, an industry that gener generates $32 billion worldwide. We believe our country's funding commitment falls short in terms of providing trafficking survivors the resources and support they need to heal and recover, and it falls short in providing adequate resources to law enforcement and service providers on the front line. Our goal today is to inform you, but more than that, hopefully we will inspire you to get your organization more engaged in the effort to make funding the fight against modern slavery a priority. And now I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Jesse Eaves. Okay, uh, good afternoon slash good morning, everybody. Um, as Melissa said, I'm Jesse Eves. I'm the Senior Policy Advisor for Child Protection at World Vision. And today, I'm going to talk to you about the $42.6 million and the additional report language that ATTEST is requesting to support programs under the Appropriations Subcommittee on State, Foreign Operations, and Related Programs. Uh, this is also known as SFOPS. Uh, so this is not a lot of money, but it really does have a huge impact. Um, so in particular, this funding will strengthen the U.S. government response to human trafficking worldwide. And the first thing we want to see is continued support for the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons, which is also known as JTIP. Uh, this uh, office is located in the State Department, and they really help provide tools to combat trafficking uh, as well as assist in the coordination of, of anti-trafficking efforts both around the world and here in the U.S. Uh, they're a relatively small office, but their impact is immense, and they fund projects in 76 countries, and even more importantly, they publish the annual Trafficking in Persons Report. And this report really serves as the world's most comprehensive resource of the anti-human trafficking efforts by governments around the world. And by breaking down the strengths and weaknesses of the response of over 180 countries, this report helps improve foreign government responses to human trafficking and, and serves as a critical barometer, barometer for, for how much work we have left to do. Um, it really is an essential tool that we have uh, to, to fight modern-day slavery. And uh, speaking for World Vision, it's something that almost all of our offices around the world use when they're uh, talking with uh, their own governments. Um, here are just a few examples of, of the JTIP office's impact. So, for instance, in the Dominican Republic, a poor ranking in the TIP report inspired a legal reform movement that led to the first-ever prosecution of forced labor in that country. Um, in Nigeria, the nation's first lady took on the issue of human trafficking and compelled a significantly increased 
uh, prohibition of women being trafficked to Europe from Nigeria. And finally, in the Philippines, uh, when the, that government was threatened with an automatic downgrade on the on the tip report and a, and a threatened loss of foreign assistance, that really led to rapid improvements in efforts to combat both sex and labor trafficking. And I'll move on to uh, to the next slide. Um, just just to say that you know, despite these encouraging accomplishments, the JTIP office has really struggled with meager funding to implement its mandates under the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. Uh, this is lo- this is the law that's the centerpiece of all U.S. efforts to combat trafficking, and many of you on this call were instrumental in getting it renewed last year. Um, and so we're really seeking to make sure that the JTIP office has the funding that that law. Um, uh, Basically, they have the funding to fulfill the mandates that that law gave them. So the additional funding that we're requesting to help JTIP uh, is to strengthen its support uh, of emergency response to prevent and respond to trafficking in persons after a conflict or natural disaster. Um, it would also mean supporting key partnerships that would help reduce trafficking in mining zones in the Democratic Republic of Congo. It would help scale up child protection systems in Mauritania to prevent and combat child trafficking. Uh, it would improve the identification and the provision of services uh, to to trafficking victims of forced labor in the garment and textile industry, also in the areas of domestic work and agricultural sectors. Um, and finally, it would help provide financial and other assistance to countries that enter into child protection compacts with the United States to support policies and programs that build effective and sustainable systems of justice and protection for children. Um, so I'll move on to the next slide here. And in addition to sustained funding, uh, we're asking for stronger report language for the U.S. Agency of International Development as well as um, the Department of State. Um, this report language, report language is essentially language that directs or encourages a certain kind of activity for government agencies over the course of the next year. And this language will enable foreign assistance programs to take proactive steps to respond to hidden forms of trafficking and forced labor in communities where they work. And we've already seen this approach work, and, and we'd like to see it expand. So, for instance, in Ghana, which leads the world in the production of cocoa, the U.S. government has included anti-child labor and anti-trafficking efforts into a larger agricultural progr- project looking at growing cocoa. Um, furthermore, after the, the Haiti earthquake in 2010 and more recently after the, t- after the typhoon in the Philippines, development workers who understood the prevalent forms of human trafficking in that country were able to properly identify and thus protect children in particular who were vulnerable to trafficking in the aftermath of the, of the disaster. And these kinds of joint efforts uh, really do increase the effectiveness of U.S. efforts to fight trafficking, and it makes a little money go a long way. Uh, next, we've requested language supporting labor rights and corporate accountability activities that would strengthen programs, including child labor initiatives in the cotton and cocoa industries, uh, programs reducing the vulnerability of migrant workers, and partnering with businesses to eliminate exploitation and abuse of workers within corporate supply chains. Um, we also uh, discussed the need for funding to support uh, human trafficking survivors here in the U.S. who have been separated from their families abroad. So, for instance, in 2013, a large funding shortage meant that there was a wait list of 149 people from 20 countries who wanted to reunite with their families but couldn't. And 70% of those on the wait list were children of human trafficking survivors. 
So finally, uh, we've requested report language directing the Secretary of State to post the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline number um, and, and the website address in all U.S. embassies and consulates around the world. Uh, this is a small but really important step to help bring more survivors out of the shadows and essentially uh, into freedom. So um, I'll... I'll cut it off there, uh, but I just want to thank you all so much for participating in this call, and uh, I, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Okay. Um, so hopefully you all can still hear me. Yeah, you can. Okay, so we've got a question about what specifically uh, are child protection compacts um, and that is a very good question. So this was part of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act that was uh, renewed last year in 2013. And essentially uh, what this language did was it allows the U.S. to form partnerships with countries that are really making the effort to combat um, are really making the effort to combat particularly child trafficking in their country. They've really shown the political motivation to tackle the issue. They've passed all the right laws, and on paper everything looks good, um, but they're just having trouble getting the implementation. And so what this would do is set measurable goals uh, that these countries would achieve over about a five-year period. And, uh, it, and then through that five-year period, they would receive training, they would receive resources, they would receive, there would be partnerships with uh, local organizations on the ground, and it's really meant to help build up uh, the the justice systems of those countries and the uh, the systems of protecting uh, survivors in particular. So it's not a silver bullet, uh, per se, but it is a an, an incredibly useful tool that the U.S. can use to really help countries make their efforts to fight human trafficking sustainable. Um, so, good question on that one. If there are no other questions, um, we can go on. Okay, I think that's it for me. Hi, so this is Melissa. So we have a few other great questions, um, and I can answer a few of them, and then I'm going to ask my colleagues to answer, answer some. So the first question is a process one. Will the PowerPoint be sent to participants of the webinar? And we will be posting the PowerPoint um, on our website, and, um, and, and so it will be available, uh, as will the audio, um, for everyone to view and to share with others should they be uh, interested. Um, another question that we got that I am going to ask my colleague uh, Paul Carliner to answer is which um, is when do you expect the appropriations bills to be marked up in the House or do you expect a continuing resolution this year? Okay, I think we're having some technical difficulties, so we'll come back to those questions during the next question and answer. Uh, and right now we'll cover the Department of Homeland Security, and my colleague FISA is going to cover that.
Thank you, Melissa. My name is Faiza Mathon Matthew, and I'm with ECPAT USA. I'm going to talk today about a test request for $10 million in report language to support programs under the Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security. As many of you know, organized crime is rampant along the U.S.-Mexico border. Victims may pay to be legally transported into the United States, or children are kidnapped and transported across the border, all are finding themselves in the thrall of traffickers. The victims are forced into prostitution, involuntary labor, and other forms of service, servitude to repay debts, often entry in the, into the United States, or just to survive. Victims find themselves surrounded by an unfamiliar culture and language without identification documents, fearing for their lives and the lives of their families. This is just one example of human trafficking and the important role Homeland Security plays in identifying victims. Homeland Security funding will expand the capacity for Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, officials to investigate cases against suspected human traffickers and help reduce incidents of trafficking and forced labor in the United States. In 2012, ICE reported investigating 894 cases that possibly involved human trafficking. This was an increase from the 722 cases investigated the previous year. And that's just a 23% increase in one year. And it corresponded with an increase in funding. So we know that we need to continue this progress, and that will require additional money. We've also asked for report language that will direct funding to training for ICE and Customs Border Control officers. These are men and women who are on the front lines of efforts to combat human trafficking and without proper training on the nuances of trafficking cases, uh, they might ignore uh, some of the nuances, particularly in the rush of a large immigration case. What we've seen way too often, unfortunately, is that victims are cre treated as criminals rather than victims. They are sometimes jailed or even deported when they should be receiving critical support and services that help them heal and recover. Victims treated this way are also unlikely to testify or cooperate uh, in their perpetrator's prosecution because their trust in the U.S. government has been undermined by their poor treatment. We've also requested report language directing Customs and Border Control to post the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline number and website in all U.S. ports of entry. Before we move on, does anyone have any questions about these programs or appropriations requests? Well, we did get one question asking if I could go into further detail about the role of DHS and ICE play in combating human trafficking and protecting victims. And that's a great question. DHS is engaged in several different levels right now. One of the most uh, prominent is the Blue Campaign. Uh, the Blue Campaign is a variety has a variety of different facets, including a public awareness component that uh, is letting people know about the crimes of human trafficking um, through public service announcements. They also are uh, engaged in different campaigns and partnerships with local uh, and nonprofit organizations. Uh, another role that ICE plays is with the PROTECT Act, and that is a piece of legislation that is used to prosecute individuals who are engaging in sex tourism. So these are American citizens who are traveling overseas and uh, really commercially exploiting young, young children overseas. And so ICE has been very active in investigating and prosecuting 
these child sex tourism cases under the authority of the PROTECT Act. This is Brittany Vanderhoof from the Polaris Project, and we got a question about posting the NHTRC hotline number in all turnpike, toll roads, and service plazas. That is a really great question. Most of the efforts that have been happening across the country about getting the hotline number in those particular places have been based um, at the state level as opposed to um, the federal level. Uh, that's mostly because either um, service plazas are owned um, privately, and so it requires a state law to take care of that, or if it's a turnpike toll road um, or state-owned service plaza, the state has to make that decision for themselves. So there are efforts to get that hotline number in as many places as we can um, on the roads in the United States, but most of that is happening at the state level. It doesn't look like we have any other questions for FISA and DHS, so I'll go ahead and take over. Uh, like I said, I'm Brittany Vanderhoof, Policy Counsel for Polaris Project, and I'll be walking you through a test request for 53.5 million and report language to support the Department of Justice uh, programs. These requests fall under the Appropriations Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, Science, and Related Agencies. This funding request will support Justice Department grants to fund victim services. Thousands of men, women, and children are becoming victims of forced labor or sexual exploitation every year. Despite the increasing number of identified victims, DOJ is decreasing funding toward victim service grants, which impacts the ability of service providers to assist human trafficking victims. We are hoping to increase the funds available for grants that will serve both U.S. citizens and foreign nationals. Funding requests to this subcommittee would also create more human trafficking task forces and increase training for law enforcement on how to identify human trafficking. Lack of training on the crime and on identification of victims is a significant barrier to the prosecution of cases by states. Specialized human trafficking task forces funded by DOJ's Bureau of Justice Assistance, BJA, play a critical role, integrating federal, state, and local law enforcement and prosecutorial and victim service organizations to prevent and prosecute human trafficking. Speaking from our, my organization's perspective, Polaris Project has been a participant in these task forces and has seen firsthand how a coordinated response between NGOs and law enforcement can result in services for victims and prosecution of traffickers. In one case, we saw 18 years, uh, one perpetrator get 18 years. Despite the advantages to this model, the number of task forces has recently declined from 26 to just 16 across the country, and in the past, funding supported more than 40 of these specialized task forces. These dramatic reductions are occurring at a time when increased incidents of human trafficking are being reported. Another funding request of this subcommittee would improve law enforcement and prosecution of perpetrators by increasing funding for the Human Trafficking and Slavery Prosecution Unit, which has seen a 600% increase in its caseload in recent years, and provide additional funding to the FBI for its investigators. Human trafficking is an incredibly complex and time-consuming case to investigate. Ensuring that the FBI has the resources they need to investigate these cases is key to successful prosecution. One more piece I want to talk to you about today the TVPRA of 2013 created a grant program to specifically serve child trafficking victims. 
that the authorized funds are specific to sex traffic minors. We are asking expanded funding so that grant monies are available to provide services to, and training and outreach for labor trafficked youth. Specialized assistance to minor victims of human trafficking is essential to combat modern slavery. Since 2007, the NHTRC, the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, has identified over 4,400 cases involving child trafficking. Of those, 13% of cases were about potential victims of labor trafficking. These cases included sales crews, peddling rings, begging rings, and domestic work. 76% of the cases on the hotline were about potential victims of sex trafficking. These cases include children being advertised for commercial sex on the internet, truck stop-based commercial sex, and street-based commercial sex. 2% of the cases involved children that were potentially victims of both labor and sex trafficking. I don't need to tell you that these statistics are disturbing, and we know that child victims of trafficking face major hurdles in recovering from the abuse and trauma of the trafficking system. Lack of resources to establish specialized programs for child victims of trafficking is preventing states from providing these vital services. Law enforcement around the country has identified the lack of specialized housing programs as the greatest obstacle to bringing effective prosecution against child traffickers. And service providers continue to highlight that children are being arrested for crimes their traffickers force them to commit and then are being housed in juvenile detention because no other housing or social services service programs are available. The funding we are requesting is critical to helping to address these challenges. I'm happy to take any questions you might have. We have one question about the advantage of the BJA task forces. The real advantage to the BJA task forces is that in order to apply, a law enforcement agency has to apply in conjunction with a nonprofit, a service provider. What this means is that you, you have to have both law enforcement and service providers at the table. So you have the law enforcement investigating the crimes, um, going after the perpetrators, and on the other side you have the service provider making sure that the survivor of the of the trafficking situation is getting the help they need, getting stabilized in order to better help law enforcement move forward with the prosecution, um, and just helping to rebuild their lives. So by combining both sides of this of the coin, you're getting a very holistic approach um, to investigating and prosecuting trafficking and making sure that victims um, are getting the help that they need. And that's really the advantage. Um, of these BJA task forces and why we would like to see more of them as opposed to less. We have a question about uh, how to learn about the grants. Um, the best way to learn about the grants is actually to go to the agency's website. When they have um, grants available, they will post them. So if you're interested in a Justice Department grant, you can go to their website and look at their um, grant request. Same thing with uh, Health and Human Services or any of the other agencies we talk about today. We have another question about where we see youth um, labor trafficking happening. We see it in a number of different networks, um, but the most that we get, the most common ones we get calls about are door-to-door -door -door sales crews, peddling rings begging crews, and domestic and domestic servitude. The question is, would funds assist youth labor trafficking victims before domestic or foreign nationals? 
if the findings coming from DOJ would be for both. Excellent questions, everyone. I think I'm going to turn it over to our next presenter. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Brittany. Now, now we're going to turn, turn it over, over to Jess Leslie from Vital Voices to cover labor, health, and human services. All right. Thank, Thank you, Melissa. Um, as, as you mentioned, I'm the um, Program Manager for Human Rights at Vital Voices. And now we're going to discuss uh, test appropriation for labor, health, human services, and education. A test is requesting $51.5 million in additional report language to support programs under the Appropriations Subcommittee on Labor, Health, Human Services, Education, and Related Agencies. I'm going to speak to the importance of funding Department of Labor programs. Then I'll turn it over to my colleague Stephanie, who will speak to HHS and education funding and programs. Funding we are requesting for the Department of Labor would provide critical monitoring and reporting on child labor and forced labor globally. The Office of Child Labor, Forced Labor, and Human Trafficking, OCFT, has been involved in monitoring, reporting on, and consulting with other government agencies regarding child labor since 1993 and forced labor since 1999, the longest of any government agency. OCFT leverages its expertise and information to assist a range of government agencies that address forced labor and child labor issues. It has created valuable tools, including an annual list of goods produced by, uh, produced by child labor and forced labor, which creates opportunities for the U.S. to engage and assist foreign governments in addressing this issue. OCFT has also released a toolkit for responsible business to assist them in reducing child labor and forced labor. The funding increase we are advocating for would help strengthen pro programs overseas that serve a variety of functions, including programs that monitor the use of forced labor and child labor, those that reduce production of goods using forced labor and child labor by working closely with people making the goods on the identified list, programs that help ensure that products made by forced labor and child labor in violation of international standards are not imported into the United States, and also programs that prevent trafficking in vulnerable communities through education and job training programs. Now, this is particularly critical given that more and more children are vulnerable to trafficking in an economic recession, especially AIDS orphans, vulnerable children, migrants and refugees, and women and girls in post-conflict and post-disaster settings. Now, this funding will also help victims of labor exploitation in the United States receive critical services, such as access to shelter, medical care, mental health services, and legal services that can ensure that they won't remain vulnerable to exploitation and abuse. I think this is important to note that while the media often focuses on sex trafficking, in part because it's an easier one, the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, the NHTRC, receives many calls referencing labor trafficking. It has identified over 6,000 potential victims of labor trafficking since 2007. And in a national study, the NHTRC determined that while shelter beds are scarce for all victims of trafficking, they're even more difficult to find for uh, victims of labor trafficking. 
I'm now going to turn it over to my colleague Stephanie Richard, and after she speaks about funding for HHS, we'll we'll take some questions. I'm muted. Hi, um, this is Stephanie, and to those of you on the West Coast, good morning to me. good morning to you. Again, my name is Stephanie Richard, and I am the Policy and Legal Services Director at the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. And I'm going to be talking today about the very important funding and report language that we're requesting for the Department of Health and Human Services, otherwise known as HHS, and the Department of Education. I'm sure many of you have witnessed firsthand how the U.S. government is failing to invest enough to ensure trafficking victims receive the emergency and long-term support they need to fully recover. At CAST, we currently have a wait list of over 35 potential survivors of human trafficking, and this wait list is growing every day. How do you wait list a person in crisis? Too many trafficking victims aren't receiving the emergency services they need, including beds, medical care, psychological services. These are the basic services they need to help protect them from further vulnerability and exploitation. Additionally, too many survivors who get services are being cut off way too early. Um, for example, some victims are cut off just after four months of services. This makes it so hard for survivors to fully recover, and it makes it even more difficult for them to participate in criminal prosecutions, which can often last as long as two years. To, look, to, to kind of provide a good example of these funding shortages, I want to share um, this um, pretty touching example. So, Unfortunately, the Department of Health and Human Services um, funding for anti-trafficking programs to serve four national victims is through a per capita program. And in August of 2013, service provi providers across the country received notice that for the month of August, these funds had run out and that no new clients could be enrolled and that support for existing clients would be slashed. After this happened, a service provider I know told me that she had actually received this notification that no funds would be available on August 1st for August, and that with so little notice and no other funding sources, many of their clients were unable to pay rent. One of those clients was a single mother of two, a sex trafficking victim from Honduras. She was staying in a safe home program and paid rent for this placement. When she learned she would not receive her payment for the month, she felt she had to go to work immediately in order to support herself and her family. To do this, she took a job in an unsafe location at a bar very close to her trafficking situation. Because she was cooperating in a case against her traffickers, she was afraid of being seen, but she didn't see any other choices as she felt she had to support her family when she could not depend on government support. You know, this frankly is not how ser services for survivors should work. On our next slide, we really will illustrate the concrete um, numbers that show the greater investment needed in HHS for survivors for human trafficking programs. So there's an estimated 17,500 individuals trafficked into the United States each year, and the National Human Trafficking Resource Center has identified 12,000 potential human trafficking victims since 2007. Yet HHS and its grantees have been able to serve fewer than 600 survivors annually. So obviously we're falling short in meeting the needs of the victims we know are there. Additionally, each year since the passage of the TVPA, HHS funding has had to serve an increasing number of survivors with the same resources. So while funding has remained virtually stagnant until just this year, we've seen a 40% increase in adult victims and a 102% increase in child victims in the last two fiscal years with the same resources allocated. Now, the funding that ATTEST is seeking um, for HHS is going to help do four very important things. First, this money will help us do a better job identifying and serving trafficking victims who have been brought here from other countries. So these are men, women, and children 
um, who face the additional challenges of overcoming language barriers and especially fear associated with being in the United States without legal identification and papers. Funds for programs for the Office of Refugee Resettlement for Foreign National Trafficking Survivors provides specific assistance to these foreign national victims, yet the funding has remained stagnant for over 10 years and is woefully insufficient. Um, as we discussed earlier, in 2013, the Office of Refugee Resettlement Programs, their per capita programs, faced a funding cut, which meant, which meant current fun, foreign national trafficking victims and their families saw support significantly curtailed. Now, although this funding we were happy to see resumed in October of 2013, a similar lapse of funding is expected this year, given the same increasing numbers that the, the programs are seeing. Second, um, our funding request resolves around creating specific specialized case management programs to help United States trafficking victims. So our current system really struggles with addressing the specialized needs of trafficking victims, and we see this most pronounced for our U.S. citizen victims in the child welfare system being a prime example. And, you know, the statistics out there show that these children are completely vulnerable to trafficking. In fact, some studies estimate that as many as 80% of child trafficking victims had previous contact with the child welfare system. So we definitely need... Um, to fix this and funding, we think, for specialized case management, so more people to help coordinate services and do education in this area will really help. Third, HHS funding will help serve unmet needs of U.S. and foreign national trafficking victims in the United States through provision of direct services, training for service providers, investment in data collection and research and evaluation. So these are on-the-ground programs that um, HHS funds to really do outreach um, where in locations where um, trafficking victims might be found. Finally, um, ATES is requesting that HHS funding be expanded to provide additional funding to serve runaway and homeless youth with specialized trafficking rooms. These programs in the past have really laid the foundation for a national system of services for young people who are vulnerable to becoming or have already been victims of exploitation and trafficking. So um, ATES is asking for specific money for, uh, increased money for these programs so um, that um, they have additional funds to meet the needs of trafficking victims. I know so many of you work closely with groups that support this population. If we're going to prevent human trafficking and really um, uh, provide uh, on-the-ground prevention, the, these runaway and homeless youth programs are likely the best situated to do this. Um, but, you know, uh, um, they just have never received this specialized money in the past. And then the last thing I want to talk to you about is looking at um, the Department of Education. And the funding that we're requesting for the, the Department of Education is to improve elementary and secondary schools' ability to identify trafficking victims and support these vulnerable children. Now, the Department of Education interfaces with approximately 50 million elementary and secondary school children each year. We're requesting report language to assess what these, what the department is currently doing and can proactively do to prevent, identify, and support these child victims. Now, it's sad to say that the Department of Education, who touches the life of so many youth, has never received any specialized money to prevent human trafficking. So our request for language is a first, but it's a very important first step towards stronger protection and a victim identification in our schools. Um, I know that's been a lot of information, um, and this is a very important funding screen for survivors of trafficking, so I'd like to now open it up for questions on HHS, education, and labor programs. Okay. 
So, Steph, uh, thanks so much yes, for the presentation. We have one question. Uh, if this funding was provided, would we still need to pass the bill to strengthen the child welfare system, or would that bill complement these appropriations? Yes, so the Child Welfare Bill, H.R. 1732, which has a Senate companion, is a bill designed to co to um, complement the appropriations process. So there is no funding attached to that bill, so no authorizing money. Um, and that bill is really looking at increasing data collection and increasing state dialogues um, around the issue of what they can do to prevent modern-day slavery. Um, and then it also has a component where it's asking Department of Health and Human Services to develop specialized um, protocols and models that states can use. Um, so the funding that we're talking about is really specific money for case management system that was authorized through, the. I think this, this one was in the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2005. Um, and with the idea that um, specialized case management is needed for all different types of trafficking victims because there's so many barriers whether the for foreign nationals, whether it be language or cultural or lack of status, but also for U.S. citizens, this fear of the systems really failing them. And so this idea would be that these case managers, who would not be part necessarily of the child welfare system, would better interface with the child welfare system and hopefully pull services for U.S. citizen victims um, and, and, and also provide these additional specialized services um, for tra child trafficking victims and adults, actually. Thanks, Steph. So we have another question about how a test decide to expand its funding request for runaway and homeless youth programs. Yeah, so um, I think that we're all aware of the current budget climate, whether it be at the federal or the state level, and finding um, and starting completely new programs is really hard because it's really expensive. And so a test was really looking closely at, you know, well, where are the areas where there already is good supportive programs that could, that are likely already encountering, encountering these use. So when we looked at the issue of child um, trafficking, it really seemed like child welfare and the runaway homeless and youth programs were the most obvious targets. And so um, a test began um, discussion with some coalition, um, different coalitions that deal with runaway homeless youth because we are very, very careful in our, um, our requests around appropriations to really reach out to those who would be experts in this area because we would never want to um, you know, not be making requests in an area that isn't supported, right, by the group, the groups that are the most experts. And so we did this important outreach and, you know, came to the conclusion that yes, there would be very highly supportive of asking for additional money for these programs that could let them have uh, more specialized programmatic outreach and identification and services for specifically traffic youth, which are um, clearly a subset of the populations they serve already. Thanks, Steph. We have one final question um, on this uh, topic, and the question is, what are ideas to assist the schools in identifying victims, specialized training, specialized counselors for districts? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So, um, you know, from the high-level federal government perspective, again, it's really hard for the federal government to get involved in each of the schools individually. Um, so when we're talking about appropriations, we were really shocked to realize that the Department of Education had never received any 
specialized money for survivors of human trafficking and, you know, what we felt like the role the federal government could play for a lot of the people you're identifying locally would be to would be to really develop some kind of curriculum, some kind of best practices and protocols, and help coordinate those kind of efforts. And obviously, without money, that's, that would be an effort that would be difficult to do. Now, at this point, you know, a test is not certain. What are the best steps that the federal government or even at the state level can be done um, around um, schools and education and prevention, which is why our, our request in this area is more a general request for information in hopes that we can start gathering information in the next year and maybe have more concrete policy and appropriation recommended requests for the Department of Education. So if you've got specific ideas in this area, please reach out to us and let us know your best practices and models that you're developing. Thank you so much, Steph. Now we're going to transition over to cover financial services, and Jess from Vital Voices will cover that. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Um, so I'm going to speak to our requests on financial services as well as the Department of Defense. So a test is requesting report language to support programs under the Appropriations Subcommittee on Financial Services and General Government to support the stronger pursuit of human trafficking as an organized crime. Human trafficking and forced labor has grown into a $30 billion a year industry. And, it's, and the lucrative nature of this illicit industry has attracted the attention of other crime rings, most notably the illicit drug trade. Debilitating the the financial networks of this industry will significantly assist law enforcement in cracking down on the, on the trafficking trade. We are requesting report language to highlight human trafficking and bring it to the attention of the U.S. Department of Treasury and most notably its Bureau on Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. We are also requesting language that will improve efforts to combat human trafficking in federal procurement programs. Human trafficking and forced labor occur internationally and in the U.S. and are pervasive in sectors such as manufacturing, construction, agriculture, and service industries such as hotels and restaurants. As the largest consumer of goods and services in the world, the U.S. government could significantly reduce human trafficking and forced labor worldwide by purchasing goods and services free of labor, uh, exploitative labor. President Obama's executive order, strengthening protections against trafficking in persons, federal contracts, the End Trafficking in Government Contracting Act, as well as the proposal to implement these provisions, have laid the initial groundwork to eradicate human trafficking from the U.S. government supply chain by focusing on procurement for overseas bases. To, to further reduce trafficking and enforced labor, we request report language directing GSA to establish protocols in all federal procurement programs to combat human trafficking. Now, with regards to the Department of Defense, a test is also requesting report language to support the Department of Defense in improving its ability to fight human trafficking by creating a dedicated office. The Department of Defense has a zero-tolerance policy for trafficking in persons. As DOD operates around the world, it has a moral obligation to fight this heinous crime, protect freedoms, and create stability. DOD's obligation holds its military, civilian employees, and contractors accountable. A test commends DOD's leadership in fighting human trafficking but challenges the department to devote more resources and a dedicated office for this purpose. I'm going to stop there and take any questions on either financial services or the Department of Defense requests.
Okay, so this is Melissa again, and we haven't received any questions on those topics, so we do welcome any questions after the webinar that you can email us directly. Um, and so we'll move on to uh, our conclusion and next steps. So first, I want to thank all of our presenters today and all of you who have participated in our very first webinar. I hope we have helped you to gain an understanding of why appropriations is such an important part of the work that we do. I'll share one more fact that will help bring it home. U.S. government funding to fight modern slavery accounts for only point. 003% of the federal budget. The United States is currently spending 10 cents for every $32 a human trafficker earns. That small amount goes a long way. It should be protected and ultimately it should be increased. One important request we have today is asking you to sign on to letters that a test is prepared for each of the committees we discussed today. The letters outline our requests for additional funding and report language. Last year, our request letters were endorsed by more than 150 organizations, and we hope to match that and exceed it this year. Your representation makes our request so much stronger. Now I want to take a moment to walk through the appropriations process and timeline. And I did get uh, a few questions regarding when we expect the appropriations bill to be marked up and whether we expect a continuing resolution uh, this year. Between now and the end of May, appropriations subcommittees will meet to review and consider funding requests. This is our opportunity uh, to advocate for our uh, positions. What we do know is that the Appropriations Committee Chairman and Chairwoman in the House and Senate have declared their strong intention to move individual funding bills this year very quickly. We expect markups to begin in late May. However, it remains unclear how much floor time House and Senate leadership will give to appropriations bills, policy riders, unrelated to human trafficking, could be a problem in both chambers. And with the midterm elections looming in the fall, the end game does remain unclear. What a test is doing is seeking your support for the sign-on letters. We'll also be setting up in-person meetings with key appropriations staff to educate them on the importance of our requests. We will also be presenting our letters, hopefully with your organization's endorsements, beginning in mid-April. The email you received alerting you to this call contained a link to the letters and instructions for adding your endorsement. And again, thank you so much uh, for participating today. We look forward to posting the webinar on our website within the next two days and encourage you to share these with others who may be interested and to contact us directly if you have any remaining questions or uh, comments that you'd like to have a dialogue with us about. Thank you so much, and we look forward to